0: we welcome you in to episode five of the best podcast available. Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble today. No guests, no special contributors. We're trying to wrap our arms around the fact for the first time since 2008, Gribble, we will not be picking in the first round as of right now.
1: That's a key word, as of right now, because I'm... You can't rule anything out with John Dorsey, and that was proven in a big way this week by the acquisition of, of Odell Beckham Jr. That has truly changed. This this franchise was changing in a big direction no matter what, but it's really kind of kicked things into overdrive with the expectations that are surrounding this team. So you don't have a first-round pick, but you have a general manager who has shown any ability, every every ability to get what he's looking for to build this team the way he wants to build it and if he sees a player in the first round that's realistic to get with a potential trade you know he's going to pursue it and you have assets you have eight picks you also have a couple players on the roster who have been rumored about as, as potential trade options those guys are probably going to land other picks mid-round picks and maybe you can package something uh, and, and move up and get a player that you want in that first round so we'll be here Thursday night of the draft. We're planning to be here. We don't plan to be very busy, but we're ready to pounce on anything if it happens.
0: A busy, busy week indeed here in Berea. Uh, obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. coming to the Browns, Olivier Vernon coming to the Browns, uh, some fantastic pickups on the free agency side, including Sheldon Richardson headlining that group. How do these pickups impact what this draft now looks like for the Cleveland Browns in terms
1: of need? Uh, you know, I don't know if it really affects anything. honestly, i think i I think the one position that it might affect the most is you can maybe scratch off wide receiver as a potential position you're hitting early in the draft and now early is probably, we're talking day, day two, which is second and third rounds. But even then, I'm not ready to completely rule it out. You know, I, I just think that if they see a guy that they think they can that can help this team, you can throw him in there and, and think, we get this good wide receiver. He might be a potential fifth wide receiver for this team behind the guys that you already have on board. I do think, and you, you haven't brought this up yet, but the news about Kareem Hunt's suspension, an eight-game suspension, We've heard a lot about the future of of Duke Johnson, where he'll be this upcoming season. Does that now put running back in play maybe more than we, we thought it might be? And as we've seen with John Dorsey's drafting history, with what he was able to get out of Nick Chubb in the second round, could you add another valuable kind of player at that position. I, I, I was a couple months ago ready to write off running back as a position, position you don't even draft. Now I think it's in play at any point uh, where you're where you're viewing this team with its eight picks.
0: Yeah, if you take a look at that running back room, obviously, and the news broke on Friday morning, Kareem Hunt will be suspended for the first eight games. He will not appeal it, so it will, it will be in play. Now he gets to take part in, in training camp and the preseason games.
1: Yes. He's yeah. allowed
0: to be in the building. He's allowed to do all that. But once that Labor Day rolls around, he's gone for eight weeks. He
1: won't be on the 53-man roster to start the season. He will be on that. That's the suspended list. We've been through this before yes. with Josh Gordon and some other players. <laughs> yes, you don't put him on the 53-man roster. They, they can't be in the building during that time. But once week nine begins in earnest, then you'll see him back in the building and back in the fold.
0: So the running back room right now is is Nick Chubb, Kareem, uh, even though he will be suspended for the first eight games, Duke Johnson and Hilliard definitely would think, you know, if something were to happen with Duke Johnson, they would need to go out and get a running back. And And you know John Dorsey's track record. I mean, you, you've got a pick in the second, a pick in the third, a pick in the fourth, and you have three fifth-rounders. I, I would definitely think – Those are right in his wheelhouse of where he normally likes to take a running back anyways. Yeah,
1: I I would, now that when you lay it out, I would be surprised if you use that second rounder on a running back because you are very much set at that position. It's also not the most loaded running back class uh, this year, especially compared to last year's group. So I do think it's just one of those positions that you will hit up at some point with one of those picks just to add some depth. Or, you know, maybe you add one in free agency over the course of the next couple weeks. I mean, just because the first few days took a lot of the players off the board, there's still a lot of players out there. So it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if you add a veteran or two in that group, at least to get you when you have the flexibility with a 90-man roster and kind of just see what it looks like out there at OTAs and training camp.
0: So in addition to some of the you know the big moves that the Browns made they did make some moves underneath. Kendall Lamb uh, comes to us. It was announced uh, earlier in the day on Friday and you've got Kush, the offensive lineman from the Bears that was drafted originally by John Dorsey. Does that impact the way the Browns maybe go? You know, we we've been talking about offensive linemen and and needs and now you've traded Kevin Zeitler and I know Austin Corbett's going to get his chance, but that hurts your overall depth on that offensive line.
1: Yeah, Cush is kind of an underrated signing because I think that he is a veteran who's played in a lot, for a lot of different teams and, played, uh, and started a bunch of games. And not only is he there to maybe – I think we all both think that Corbett's going to be the starter for this team, but you're not just going to hand him the job. Cush is going to be there to push him at that right guard spot. Also, Cush is potentially – your backup center this season. He's got center experience. Joins Kyle Kalis. Maybe that's a competition for a roster spot uh, to get one of those final lineman spots. And we all know Corbett last year prepared all season uh, to be the backup center as well. So you've got uh, some flexibility there with guys who can snap the ball. And then Kendall Lamb, from the looks of it, he would be someone to push Chris Hubbard at right tackle. He started 13 games for the Texans last season. Texans didn't exactly have a great offensive line last year, but. They were a playoff team, and I think anytime you can get a starter from a playoff team, he's going to be a pretty decent player, and it sounds like he's someone that Bill O'Brien really liked, and they saw him as an ascending player. So he's a good guy for the Browns to get from a depth perspective. I don't think it takes you out of the market of drafting an offensive lineman of sorts, especially in these first few rounds. I could see another interior type of lineman be drafted uh, with some of those picks, but it, it just maybe secures you in that you're not reaching at any point with any of those eight picks.
0: Would you agree that the Browns' top three needs after this first week of free agency still remain offensive line, linebacker, defensive back?
1: I will take offensive line out of there. Uh, I will put linebacker and safety as kind of a tie for first. I think that's those are areas where you have some, I wouldn't say legitimate holes, but where you have some maybe maybe some room to land potential starters. I mean, the the safety one is the biggest because you lost a starting safety. Uh, For good reason. You got Odell Beckham in exchange for him. But Jabril Peppers is gone. He was an ascending player. We all agreed he was having a great finish to the season. You got to give up something to get something, and Jabril Peppers was the guy along with the first-round pick. So you really do have a big need at strong safety. Now, Derek Kindred has played a lot of football for this team over the last few years. He would be the guy you logically bump up. But you really don't have a ton of other guys that can play that box safety on the current roster as is. Not a ton of guys out there in free agency right now, but you could see maybe see some some depth being added before the draft. Uh, but then that's that's a position where if it makes sense, that, that seems like the logical pick at 49 if there's a player available that fits all, all your specifications and makes sense with that number.
0: All right, these are our top five things happening with the NFL draft uh, this week. We'll come back to you next week. Uh, I don't want to call it more organization, but we're in the process of, Figuring out where all these free agency signings, all these acquisitions fit in, and figuring out the big picture because, again, it's very weird to be talking about the fact that we don't have a first-round pick on what many Browns have said every year is our Super Bowl
1: yeah. draft night. <laughs> It'll be interesting because I'm most interested to see what the ratings are like in Cleveland for the draft because it's always this is always the top market every year. And I wonder it'd be amazing if this still was the top market for the draft, even with the Browns not having a pick. I could, I could see, I could definitely see Cleveland still being in the top five. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think like we're thinking that Dorsey always has a trick up his sleeve. And the thing I, we were talking about before the show is, I'm, I'm more interested in the fact could he potentially package some of these picks to land an asset for 2020? Because that's sure. that is when during the draft is when you can get the best value on future picks. We saw it with the Browns. I believe it was at the 2016 draft when the Browns moved down from 8 to 15 in that trade with the Titans, and they got a future pick that was at a pretty good value. And and I think we both agree that – we don't see eight players from this draft getting on this 53-man roster uh, by the time that rolls around. So maybe you do make some moves to have less picks, but then set yourself up for the future and give John Dorsey those options he likes to work with when he's starting to make trades.
0: All right, so taking a look at, at the Browns and that first pick in the draft now is at pick 49, Jeffrey Simmons, does he make it to 49? I don't think so. Even no. with the torn ACL?
1: I don't think so. I think he was a first-round lock before the the ACL, and now I think the ACL makes him an early second rounder. So maybe I, and that's that's what's interesting. Could you even is he a player you trade up for if you don't have a first-round pick? Because then you therefore are having your first and no second for no first no second-round pick helping your team out this year. I mean, it's it's possible, and I think the signing of Sheldon Richardson. Pad your depth at defensive tackle a little bit where you don't have to get a guy that's going to make an impact this year because you still brought back uh, Trevon Coley who can provide some good depth at that position you have Brian Price uh, who this team really likes he played a lot of football last year I I could see you drafting a defensive tackle but not necessarily needing an immediate impact out of him I think if Simmons falls to you at 49 you have to take him but I just don't see him getting that
0: far. Another guy this week that, is, that has stood out as we, as we jump around here on the top five things happening around the NFL draft, and it's free agency week, so the bulk of the attention is obviously focused on the number of players that are moving all over the country and the obscene amount of money being given to those guys. But Cleveland Farrell didn't do a lot of the working out at the Combine with an injury. Clemson's pro day is Wednesday. Now he's got a toe injury and he can't work out and he can't do things. A lot of people saying he's still a mid-first-round pick, but there's starting to be that that title wave that's coming that says this guy could be the guy in the green room that really falls here a little bit. And, it, and maybe that's a guy that late in the first round, if maybe John Dorsey wanted to come back into the round, maybe this is a guy that he's interested in going after.
1: Yeah, I mean, I put him in the in that category because it's hard to get a talented pass rusher if you're not picking until 49th. Uh, and this, I think the Browns, even after the the acquisition of Olivier Vernon, could still use more at that spot because you only have Vernon for a couple more years on that current contract. You need to start planning uh, for the future. He's someone who definitely would make sense as a potential trade up option late in the first round. I'm still pinning my hopes on one of the Devons, the linebackers. Uh, you know, Devon White out of LSU. Probably a pipe dream at this point. Boy
0: is his yeah. stock just gone through the roof here. And he hasn't even had his pro day yet. But everything you read, everything you see, he is just rocketing up now. He's top ten, a lot of people saying top five maybe.
1: Well, and you saw the hand the the contracts handed out to that position. That was a I've I've never seen such a jump in value for some of these linebackers. C.J. Mosley getting a huge deal, yeah. Quan uh, Alexander getting a, a huge deal with the 49ers. I think that there's NFL is is su- suddenly valuing these guys a lot more than they did just a couple years ago. So that, that makes sense with Devin White. I would I would love a player like Devin Bush because again this is a pretty weak linebacker class. You brought in a Darius Taylor, but he's probably just a depth guy for you. You could use special teams. Yeah, program. you you could use some more impact uh, players at that position with letting go of Jamie Collins, Jannard Avery. I know John Dorsey touted him on uh, on his conference call Thursday. Uh, but you, I, I, ideally, you'd hope you could have Janard Avery as a situational impact twenty-five kind of snap uh, uh, player. But maybe he is ready, and, and maybe we're overthinking this. But I, I view linebacker as an area where you can really get better. And as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, not a ton of guys uh, available uh, at that linebacker position beyond the Devons.
0: Yeah, it is. It is not a good year for a position of need for the Cleveland Browns.
1: No, and so that's why I wonder if there's still a couple signings left. I saw. Jordan Hicks signed with the Cardinals earlier uh, a Friday. So that's someone that you take off the the potential board. I know he was linked to the Browns by a few people that seemed to think it made, made sense, but he's going elsewhere. So you so you wonder if there are a couple more players you could sign or if you're just rolling with the guys you got right now, I mean, you re-signed Ray Armstrong, maybe they're seeing something in him that we weren't able to see much of last year. He just played a few snaps here and there. Maybe they have bigger plans for him this year.
0: All right. So, Let's take a look at the position that is the most popular, the most talked about every week, and obviously uh, a position we don't need anything to do with, but maybe there's a guy toward the back end of the draft that the Browns do take a look at, at quarterback. Uh, First and foremost, Kyler Murray's workout earlier this week, 61 of 67 throwing. I I continue to be baffled why we make big deals about quarterbacks and throwing on pro days. And, I mean, yeah. even when we needed a quarterback, we would lose our minds at the fact that so-and-so went 51-53 to or whatever. That Great, they threw it over the broom. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not quite sure what you get out of it other than the fact he refused to be measured height-wise, and does that contribute to the uh, – the rumors that his height was (laughs) messed with at the combine. Yeah. It's
1: interesting because this, this didn't really affect us much to begin with. And now it definitely doesn't have much of an effect on the Browns in the draft. I I think we were, we were before we were rooting for all these quarterbacks to get drafted. So the Browns got the best possible player at 17. Now it's just something that we can watch as, as fans. And we'll see if the Cardinals really do take this guy. And if they don't, I'm that if the Cardinals don't take him, I'm then very interested to see where he lands. Does he go to the Raiders and they pair him up with Antonio Brown and, uh, with Gruden and Mike Mayock, and then then what ha- then? You ask what happens with Derek Carr? There's sure. so many. Uh, that's the most fun team I think he can go to because of the ripple effect that it would cause. Uh, and it, it, the, and then the interesting thing is with the Cardinals. The thing I'm interested in is, do the Cardinals make a deal with to send Rosen somewhere before the draft? Because if they do that, that tips their hand. But then, do they wait until after the draft when they lose all their leverage? I mean, that's that they're in a weird, weird spot with Josh Rosen. And I've been rooting for him to potentially land as a backup of one of these perennial uh, title contenders, whether it be – I mean, I know the Chargers signed Tyrod Taylor, but wouldn't a Rosen make sense there to be kind of a waiting in the wings quarterback, Uh, a couple other places that that he could really make sense? The Patriots. I mean, it would be interesting to see him back up Tom Brady. But it's fun to kind of just watch this as a spectator. And I'm really – I'm thrilled that we're not trying to talk ourselves into Kyler Murray right now. Because I think that this would be a really polarizing guy for Browns fans to to discuss if the Browns were in a position and need to draft a quarterback. Thankfully, his predecessor was really good, and we got him number one the previous year.
0: Now, the interesting thing to me is uh, I've read a few reports now out of New York. There are those people in New York that believe the Giants, who have not had a good offseason clearly, um, are not going to take a quarterback at six and would rather wait till seventeen. It's risky. I, I am totally baffled by that because I think there's a significant drop off from Haskins to the rest of the group, much less Kyler Murray. Well, wouldn't
1: this? Wouldn't that line up with the theory that was it Anita Marks on CBD pose that they're interested in Daniel Jones? Yeah, do quarterback. Maybe seventeen makes sense for him. But even then, you're running the risk. Yeah. I mean, what if someone else really likes him too? If, if you like him, odds are you're not the only team that really likes him. Like, even though this guy's not getting a ton of buzz, I mean, it, it'll be. Uh, it's a it's a curious strategy to to wait until your second first round pick. I know we discussed it ad nauseum last year when the Browns had picks one and four if you use the second pick to draft a quarterback and the, the simple answer was no. You gotta get your guy with yeah. the guaranteed spot and then get the best available guy at number four instead of the the other way around because you're running so much risk. Not you, you can do all the planning you want. mocking players to different teams, but one trade can just shake everything up and ruin all your projections.
0: A guy that maybe could make sense for the Browns if they choose to draft a quarterback late rounds this year, which might not be a bad idea considering, again, the the ultimate nightmare scenario, your quarterback goes down, even if it's for a week, and who's going to be the backup quarterback in, in this town? And we think we know who, but... there's still a lot to be determined. But you take a look at the quarterback class. It's not great. But there's a guy, a little Maction Love, you you being an Ohio University Mm -hmm. grad, me being a Bowling Green grad, uh, Tyree Jackson from Buffalo had his pro day um, this past week, the same day as Kyler Murray. And I just found it interesting that Adam Schefter was tweeting about Tyree Jackson. Jackson's arm is as strong, if not stronger, than Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen. Many believe he will go higher than expected in the draft. 30 NFL teams in attendance at his workout. He's 6'7". He's 240 pounds. uh, A guy that accelerated uh, his status and stock, I guess, at the Combine. And it just continues to go up. And one has to wonder, is it a guy that maybe is a nice late-round look at and a project?
1: Yeah, and, and if the Browns don't sign a quarterback in this period before the draft, I would start shading in the section where I say it's likely you draft a quarterback at some point in the draft. I, I would; It just would seem to make some sense if you don't sign another veteran to put in that room uh, along with Drew Stanton and Baker Mayfield. I, I like how Alex Kirshner of SB Nation described Tyree Jackson. It says, more or less Josh Allen except bigger, more athletic, more productive in college, and not requiring you to spend a top ten pick to get him. So it, that's that's a lot of things I like, potentially. A project to work Total with. Total project. Uh, and it, it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, that's – if you if you want to start circling potential names for late round guys, I mean that's that's one you'd like to go get. I mean, because let's be honest, if if Baker Mayfield suffers any kind of God forbid, God forbid any kind of long term injury, your season's probably not good. It's it's over. So I mean, you, yeah, you want to like have someone. It's like when somebody, Garoppolo went down last year. Right. You you, you, you want to have something you can work with, develop over time for the future, and then. Uh, you either have an option for yourself in the future if, if things go awry with all your current plans or you have an asset to, to work with and potentially use as a trade ship uh, in the future to get better get get other parts of your roster better
0: All right, so that's a look at the quarterbacks this week. Obviously, we'll always touch on those uh, every week as we lead up to the 2019 NFL Draft. This is the best podcast available. He's Andrew Gribble. I'm Jason Gibbs. Episode number five. It's our uh, free agency week craziness. Uh, We look forward to getting back into a lot more draft in detail, even though we only have a second-round pick uh, to start things off. You never know what's going to happen, especially on draft night with John Dorsey. Uh, you take a look at the mock drafts, our mock draft section this week, and our final uh, final note of the day. It's a little it,
1: thin. It is a little thin.
0: <laughs> well, the problem is all these mocks were done before free agency. And, of, of course, before the big trade. And, you know, everybody's got the Browns at 17 still. Well, the Browns aren't at 17 anymore. But Chris Trapazzo from CBS Sports put out a two-round mock today. And uh, it, the Browns pick at number forty-nine. He's got Justin Lane, the uh, defensive back from Michigan State. I find it hard to believe he's going to be there still at forty-nine. But uh, I, I was pretty impressed, and I'd be pretty happy with uh, with that being the Browns' first pick in this draft if that comes to fruition. Another Cleveland guy, Man, yeah. put
1: pair him alongside Denzel Ward. I'm trying to. Do you remember where he played his his high school ball at? I, I believe it was oh, Benedictine. Yes, Benedictine. So he's a local product. Uh, I, I like it. He's got the athleticism, the the things you like at that position. I think it's it's a position you really haven't addressed in free agency yet. I mean, the the day is young. I mean, they, there could be more on the way, but you can you could add some depth at a position where you've lost now two guys. I mean, granted you still have time to re-sign EJ Gaines. He's still on the market, but you you're going into this, into right now thinking EJ Gaines is out, Brian Body Calhoun who signed with the Texans, he's out. So you you need some some more players at that position that you've done such a good job of restocking, uh, and and adding up. So that corner it was a position we were talking about at seventeen to begin with. Now you got to think one of those two picks, second or third, could be a corner.
0: Yeah, I don't think you can have enough corners. Yeah, especially the way the league is trending now, and and with the number of quarterbacks and wide receivers and you know, spreads and air raids and shotgun offenses. You just can't have enough defensive backs.
1: Yeah, see, and then looking at this mock, I'm intrigued by players that are projected both before and after the Browns select, because I think the two players before Justin Lane are both pass rushers, and Zach Allen and Christian Miller, Christian Miller being from Alabama, Zach Allen from Boston College, I know firsthand. I feel like I. I think I covered Christian Miller's recruitment at Alabama. He was a fifth year. <laughs> he's a fifth year guy. So I think he he's been there a long time. Had an injury. Was redshirted. So he's one of those rare five year guys from Alabama. There aren't very many of them, uh, and usually the five year guys aren't very good. But this guy was a five star recruit. Uh, I remember com- coming out of uh, South Carolina, just a, a super athlete that it, it looks like looks the part of a pass rusher so that you're probably gonna have to still work with, even though he spent a lot of time at, in, in Alabama's. Uh, de facto NFL program down there, and then a few picks later, in this uh, in this mock, don't like seeing this Steelers number twenty, Draymond Jones Ohio State. We we don't like seeing those Ohio State guys go no. to, go to Pittsburgh. It just always seems to bite you a little bit. A lot Second of people would like to see a lot of people would like to see Draymond Jones come to Cleveland. I know he he probably would love to come to Cleveland. he's another native uh, of the area? Dad's a big Browns fan. And even with the signing of Sheldon Richardson, it'd be another good player to add at that position. I also like Deontay Thompson out of Alabama, safety. If you need a if you need a safety, uh, another good player uh, that that would help you fill a position of need. So those are some some guys that are in the area of where the Browns are picking at at 49.
0: And, and something to definitely keep an eye on. Again, there there will be, you know, we make a lot of the fact that well, oh, there's only a couple linebackers and there's a drop off. There's only so many guys at this position, and then there's a drop off. There's still plenty of quality in that second, third and fourth round. Yeah,
1: now here's the big question though. You were around here for the Bo Bell year. Oh, the 2008 yes. draft. I mean, do you do you treat this second rounder like does he get the first round treatment uh when he comes to Cleveland? Does he get to throw out the first pitch at the Indians game? Does he get to do all is he paraded around? I mean, does, Could be. does he get billboards like where where what happens if you're the if I think it depends the on rounder? the position. Yeah,
0: you know, if, if not saying that we need a quarterback or anything like that, but if you took a quarterback in the second round, yeah, he's throwing out the first pitch the next night at the Indians game. <laughs> if you're a defensive lineman or a linebacker, safety, man, nah, not so sure. Those yeah. glory positions, yes, but I don't know about any. I don't know about others.
1: Yeah, I mean, the uh, if you look at it, if you're looking for comparisons, uh, last year the Texans went into the draft without a first or a second round pick. That sounds miserable. Uh, Browns had them both. Yeah. So, uh, But they they got a good player in the third round to start things off. They got Justin Reed out of Stanford. I mean, these are some good players you can get even when you don't go into a draft holding that first-round
0: selection. Yeah, if you have eight picks and and you have two or three of them that end up starting for you or significant contributors right from the get-go in week one, I mean, you've done well for yourself.
1: See, now we're almost in the position where – If you do get two or three starters out of this draft class, to me, that means something went wrong. Because I think like the (laughs) the roster as is right now, especially on offense, where where is there room for a guy to come in? Maybe
0: on the offensive line.
1: Yeah. Maybe. And and even then you've the two theoretically weakest positions you have on the offensive line, they have multiple veterans at them. I mean, with Corbett uh, Cush and then Hubbard. Uh, and lamb i mean and you've got harrison and robinson potentially competing at the left tackle spot and then obviously treader and and batoni are pretty entrenched uh with where they're at the skill positions obviously with odell Callaway, landry higgins hard to hard to expect a wide receiver to come in and start tight end njoku harris i mean quarterback baker i mean Unless you draft a fullback, like that's, that's a position that you have open now. I mean, But yeah. otherwise, offense, there's not many guys there. Defensive line, you're looking at Vernon, Richardson, Joby, and Miles Garrett. You bring back Kirksey, Schobert. You have that one linebacker spot maybe where it's Denard sure. Avery or someone else. And then the secondary, you've got the safety spot. That's really about it. You've got, you've got Denzel Ward, Terrence Mitchell, D- Demarius Randall. I mean, something's going to have to go wrong. This is a different kind of draft. I mean, that's, that's, that's what, this is what better teams do year in and year out. You're not, we've had too many drafts here where we're used to saying you have to get three starters out of this group.
0: Yeah. And you're 100% right. It's really, it comes down to building depth. I mean, let's be honest. Miles Garrett didn't get hurt last year. Yeah. After, after a rough rookie campaign health wise, Agba missed significant time, but was healthy last year. And, uh, you know, you just – you can't be one injury away from being totally screwed. Right. <laughs> like, And that's where we've been for so long. Now you've just got to – you've got to build. You've got to be two and three deep, maybe even four deep at certain positions.
1: Yeah. And that's what – you just want these guys to not be – you want them to look like players that when you see them on the field, you're like, all right, this guy's going to make the 53. I'm just happy if you really do draft eight players – I'm happy if 5 make the 53.
0: Yeah, ideally most of those guys are practice squad. Yeah. Most I mean, of them are on your practice you,
1: squad. You, you guys talked about it on CBD Thursday, the the story of Demetrius Harris. I mean, that's like the the definition of John Dorsey. They're not just the the draft guy but the scout, the recruiter, everything. I mean, he found plucked him off a bat, a college basketball <laughs> team and let, let him develop behind the scenes. I mean, the Browns did these are maybe some guys to keep an eye on. The Browns did have a couple guys go wire to wire on their practice squad last year. And it, th- that's one you wonder if it's in the back of John Dorsey's head, like this guy might be ready. And I think uh, the, the if you're looking at defensive tackle, the Daniel Equale was on that practice squad from start to finish, has been around the building a lot during the offseason. Yeah. Is that someone, if you're looking for a potential sneaky guy to put on your projected 53 at the moment, he's got a track record of liking, liking to see these practice squad guys develop it's what when – you, when you're in a situation where you don't have to keep plucking from your practice squad all season, that's what you can use your practice squad for is almost like a, a mini little farm system within your own team.
0: Gribs, episode five is officially in the books. We've only got a couple weeks left in March, and then we are into April and the countdown to the 2019 NFL Draft—a lot to get to, a lot to digest—and back to the books for us to try to figure out right. what what the second round options really do look uh, like for the football lot team.
1: A lot of more intense googling than has been done before. <laughs> you can't just you can't just skim. These are some second and third page of Google guys, not not the guys that come up right away. So we'll have to do a little bit more research. Uh, and then we'll be back and and talking about players that most people probably haven't heard of
0: yet. All right, we appreciate you listening. We're back with you next week. If you missed any of the previous episodes, we've got some great ones uh, in the can, some great interviews. Make sure you check them out again wherever you get your podcasts. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available.